Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Hope you'll listen attentively to the program because what we're discussing on this program is very, very important and we should be very serious about it. What does the Bible teach about any particular subject? Remember, the Bible is God's word. Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. Only the truth will set us free from sin. John 8, 32. And God's word defines for us what the truth is. So the Bible should settle all religious questions. Last week we were talking about the cost of discipleship. And we pointed out that many people like to claim to be a disciple of Christ, but they don't make any sacrifices for Christ. They don't know there's a cost to being a disciple of Christ. Disciple, of course, just means a follower of Christ. We're going to follow Christ. We're going to, somebody says they're a follower of Gandhi. What do they mean? Gandhi's dead. It means they study his teachings. They follow his teachings. So if we're going to be a follower of Christ, we're going to study his teachings, the Bible, and we're going to follow his teachings. That's what being a disciple of Christ is all about is following Christ, following his teachings. But what is the cost of discipleship? What am I talking about there? Well, last week we talked about how being a disciple might cost us financially. Well, just as an example, we won't repeat everything we said last week, but just as an example, if you're used to making money through dishonest means and you decide to be a disciple of Christ, you're going to have to give all that up. It may cost you financially, monetarily, to be a disciple of Christ. And it may cost you some pleasures to be a disciple of Christ. So as a matter of fact, it's going to cost you sinful pleasures to be a disciple of Christ. We talked about that last week. And then we began last week talking about my third point is that being a disciple of Christ might cost us our current religion or church. And that surprises some people. They think uh, if we're a disciple of Christ, aren't we supposed to go to church? Yes, but what if the church you're going to is not following the truth? Remember we quoted last week, Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, you are my disciples indeed if you continue in my word and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. A lot of people out here are claiming to be Jesus's disciples, but they're all teaching different things. So they can't be his true disciple because only a true disciple is somebody who continues in Jesus's work. And he's going to be set. He's going to know the truth. The truth's going to set him free from sin which means if you're not following the truth, you're not going to be set free from sin. So what if you're part of a church that's not following the truth? What if you're part of a religion that's not following the truth? Well, you're going to have to make a change. So being a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, a follower of his teachings, is going to mean that you're going to have to leave any church that's not following his teachings. Because you're not really being a disciple of Christ if you're not following his teachings, if you're not continuing in his word, John 8, 31. And the truth's not going to set you... uh, free from sin if you're not following the truth. So false doctrine won't do any good anyways. It's going to cause you to be lost anyway. We looked at Saul of Tarsus as an example of this. He later became known as the Apostle Paul. He was a very zealous, strict Jewish person, part of that religion. But becoming a disciple of Christ cost him that religion. He had to leave the religion he was in. We, we talked about that last week and showed some verses. He left that obeyed the gospel, became a true disciple of Christ. Many people who are part of denominational churches today need to leave that and become a true disciple of Christ because they're not really following the truth. And only the truth will set us free from sin. Now, we mentioned Saul as an example of somebody who was willing to leave his religion 
for the truth. He was willing to pay that price to be a disciple of Christ. Here's an example of some people who were in pretty much the same position almost as Paul, but they weren't willing to leave their current religion or church to be a disciple of Christ. I'm reading from John 12, 42 and 43. It says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Here's some chief rulers that actually believe in Christ. We can't say, well, they weren't really believers. No, they were really believers. It says they believed in Christ, but they weren't willing to follow through on their belief. They weren't willing to confess him. Why? Because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God, and therefore they wanted to remain, keep their position in the synagogue. And they knew that if they confessed Christ, if they followed through on their conviction that Jesus was the Christ, then they would be kicked out of the synagogue. They didn't become a disciple of Christ, not because they didn't understand it was the right thing to do, but because they weren't willing to pay the cost of being a disciple. Are you willing to pay the cost of being a disciple? Are you willing to give up something financially to be a disciple of Christ? Are you willing to give up sinful pleasures to be a disciple of Christ? Are you willing to give up your current religion or church? To be a disciple of Christ, if that's what's demanded, most people aren't. Most people just want to say they're a Christian but not make any sacrifices. It's as if they don't understand that there's a cost to being a disciple. If you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call, if you want to get on the air, the lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. My fourth point is, is that being a disciple of Christ might cost us with family. Here's Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me, this is Jesus talking. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. We've got to love Jesus more than our family. If we have to make a choice between doing something with our family and doing what the Lord requires us to do, we're going to have to do what the Lord requires us to do. And it may it may cause us to have trouble with our family. Now, we don't seek out trouble with our family. We don't. Obviously, we're not going to seek out alienation with our family. We love our family. But if that's what it takes to be a disciple of Christ, a true disciple of Christ, then we're going to be willing to do it. We're going to be willing to pay the cost of being a disciple, even if that means we have causes problems with our family. See the same thing in Luke 18, 29, and 30. Jesus is speaking here also. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come in life everlasting. We may have to leave our parents, our brethren, our children for the kingdom of God's sake. You know, if, let's say you're a, a a young man in college and you try to decide to leave a denominational church and become a true disciple of Christ. And your dad says, we, I'm kicking you out of the house if you do that. Hmm. You're going to have to keep following your conviction, even if it means you have to leave the house of your parents. You know, here's an interesting thing that you might not have thought of. This says you may have to leave your wife for the kingdom of God's sake. Luke 18, 29 and 30 does. What does that mean? I thought Jesus wanted us to stay with our wife. Well, I think this is explained by a passage that we quote quite frequently in this program, Matthew 19.9. Jesus said in Matthew 19.9, 
Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So according to the first part of that verse, if a man divorces his wife for any reason other than her cheating on him and marries another, he's that second marriage is an adulterous marriage, according to Jesus. It's adultery. Now, what is he going to have to do if he wants to repent of that? If he wants to be a disciple of Christ, can he just stay in that second marriage? Well, that's what about 95% of preachers today preach. 95% of churches will tell you that. But, of course, that's obviously not true. You can't be a disciple of Christ and remain in an adulterous relationship any more than you can be a disciple of Christ and remain in a gay relationship. So here's a man. He's in his second marriage, and he really loves that woman, and she's really beautiful. He's still going to have to give her up because Jesus calls that second marriage adultery. He's going to have to give her up, leave that marriage, no matter how much he loves her, no matter how beautiful she is, he's going to have to give her up and seek reconciliation with his original wife. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. I think that's what Luke 18, 29 and 30 is talking about. You, you may have to leave your wife for the kingdom of God's sake. When, when could that be? Well, if you, if you have a wife that you have no right to. If you're married your second or third time and you didn't divorce your first spouse for fornication or say your spouse divorced you for whatever reason, Matthew 19, 9b uh, refers to that. It's adultery if you remarry, if your spouse divorces you, even if you didn't really do anything wrong, you can't remarry. The reason is Romans 7, 2 and 3 says because you're still bound or obligated to that spouse as long as they live. Unscriptural divorce doesn't change that. You're still bound or obligated to them as long as you live. And Romans 7 says, if you marry somebody else, you'll be called an adulteress. You know, there's an example of something similar to this in the Old Testament. Now, it's for a different reason. But people got into marriages that God had told them not to. So they were unscriptural marriages. And when they got in, God said, you got to leave that marriage. you got to leave that marriage. I'm looking at Ezra chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. It says, and Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now, if I understand correctly what he's talking about, there were seven nations that the Israelites could not take wives from, seven foreign nations. So here you have the Israelites, they're told not to marry outside of, the, of their country, outside of their nationality from these seven nations. Well, some of the Israelites did it anyway. They married strange wives, according to that verse, Ezra 10. Verse 11 says, Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. They had married women that they weren't supposed to marry against God's wishes, against God's direction. What did God tell them? You can just stay in that marriage? You know, that... that well, I'm, it was a sin for you to marry him, and it's unscriptural marriage, but it's okay just to stay in it. No, he didn't tell him that. He said, separate yourselves from those wives. Because he had told them not to marry wives from those seven nations. They did it anyway. And he says, you need to separate from those wives. And even in some of those marriages, they had children. Verse 44 said, all these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. That's Ezra chapter 10, verse 44. So even these marriages that were contracted with these foreign women, even if they had children, they still had to separate from those wives. No, that's not exactly the same thing we're talking about in Matthew 19, 9. 
in Ezra, it's not talking about because they were in a second marriage. It's because they, their first and original marriage was to somebody they had no right to marry. In Matthew 19, 9, it's the second or third marriage. And that second or third marriage is somebody they had no right to marry because they divorced their wife for a reason other than fornication, other than the, the, their spouse cheating on them. Jesus said, if you do that and you marry another, you commit adultery. You have no right to that second wife. So no matter how much you love them, no matter how beautiful you are, they are, you're going to have to get out of that marriage, just like we saw in Ezra, but for a different reason. You're going to have to get out of this marriage, quit the adulterous relationship. You can't continue in adultery and say you're a disciple of Christ and seek reconciliation with your original spouse. You see how being a disciple of Christ can cost you with family? You may have a, a wife that you love very much, but if you have no right to her, you'll have to separate from that wife and seek reconciliation with your original wife. Being a disciple of Christ might cost you. You see that? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755 if you want to go off, go on the air. Now, we were last week we were looking at Luke 14, talking about the cost of discipleship. Let's go back to Luke 14, and I want to read verse 33. Jesus said here, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. The, the newer translations will say, renounce all that he hath. In other words, we've been talking about family and money and our current religion or church and sin. We have to give up anything that stands between us and serving the Lord faithfully. Not just these four things. That was not an exhaustive list. That's all, that's just what I had time for. Anything that stands between you and serving the Lord, you're going to have to give it up. Now, I had a preacher say about a week ago something that really struck a chord with me. I can't even remember who it was right now, but I remember him saying it because it really struck a chord with me. He struck a chord with me. He, he said, are you willing to die to avoid committing a sin? Are you willing to die to avoid committing a sin? I doubt many people are. Many People who claim to be Christians sin all the time, and they don't think it really matters. And usually they have the excuse, well, everybody sins, so it's okay. But you know, what we're learning tonight is to avoid even committing one sin, you should be willing to die. If somebody says, if you don't uh, deny Christ, I'm going to kill you. Well, that's a sin to deny, deny Christ, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. So you got to choose death rather than commit that sin. If someone were to say, and I, I don't see how this is possible, it's a silly illustration. You got to commit adultery with this woman or I'm going to kill you. You got to take death. You got to take death. If somebody says, I'm going to kill you unless you go in and steal into that store and steal something for me, you're going to have to take death. You got to be willing to die first before even committing one sin. That's the cost of discipleship. It says, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh or renounceth not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. If you're not willing to die to avoid sin, you can't be a disciple of Christ. Now, let's look at a perfect example of that. John the Baptist in Mark 6. Uh, we've looked at this before on previous programs. Now, John the Baptist in Mark 6, verse 17 and 18, is confronting Herod. Now, Herod is a leader, a political leader of his day, and we know about him through secular sources, but uh, that he had divorced his wife, Herod, and Herodias had divorced her husband. Now Herod is married to Herodias. So Herod had divorced his wife. 
Herodias had divorced her husband, and now they're married. And let's notice what John the Baptist says to Herod. He's confronting him. Remember, John the Baptist represents God in this situation. He's speaking for God. Mark 6, 17 and 18. It says, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have that brother's wife. Is John just saying to Herod, Well, it was regrettable that you divorced and remarried, but you can you can stay in that second marriage. He's not saying that. He said it's not lawful for you to have her. He's demanding that Herod terminate that marriage with Herodias. Again, this is kind of like Ezra. It's during the Old Testament times. It's not during the New Testament law times. It still illustrates for us what we're talking about here. If you find yourself in a marriage that God says is unscriptural, you're going to have to get out of that marriage. It's not lawful for you to have her. So if you are in violation of Matthew 19.9, whoever divorces his wife except it be for fornication and marries another commits adultery. If you divorce your wife for any reason other than fornication and marry another. And the second part of the verse says whoever marries that person that's put away commits adultery. So if your spouse has divorced you and you remarry, you're in adultery. You're going to, it's not lawful for you to have that second marriage. You have to get out of that marriage. That's what John the Baptist was telling here. here. It's not lawful for you to have her. It's not just that it was wrong to marry her, and that's true, but it's wrong for you to keep her because it's not lawful for you to have her. Now, think about the point we're making. What happened to John the Baptist because he was willing to stand for the truth on divorce and remarriage in his day? Well, Herodias got so mad that she asked for John the Baptist's head, and they cut his head off, verse 27. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. He went and beheaded him in the prison. John the Baptist was willing to stand for the truth on divorce and remarriage. In his day, He two people who are unscripturally married, according to God's law at that time, he says, you got to get out of that marriage. You can't stay in it. So Maybe it was their second marriage for both of them. You can't stay in the marriage. It's unlawful for you to have her. They got mad and they killed him. They chopped his head off. And now we have all these preachers out here. 95% of the preachers, 95% of the churches across America and Canada, they're not willing to say what John the Baptist says because they're afraid of losing a few members or maybe some contribution. Nobody's threatened to cut their head off, and they're still scared to tell, you, to tell people in second or third marriage what John the Baptist told Herod and Herodias, who were in their second marriage. John the Baptist lost his head in preachers today aren't even willing to tell people the truth about adulterous marriages. And all they're going to lose is maybe a few members. That's what they're scared of. What a big difference. To be a disciple of Christ, it might cost you. It cost John the Baptist, his head, to be a disciple of God, didn't it? He stood for the truth on divorce and remarriage in his day, and he lost his head. Being a disciple might cost you. It might cost you your head if you're willing to stand for the truth. Most people... No, they're not willing to do that. John the Baptist was willing to die before he would compromise and commit a sin. He could have easily preached to Herod and Herodias something about how people ought to be subject to their rulers. That would have been the truth. Citizens should be subject to your rulers. That would have been the truth, and Herod and Herodias would have loved him for it. But he knew that's not what they needed. He knew they were in a marriage that God did not approve of, so he said, you got to get out of that marriage. There's a thousand truths he could have preached to them that wouldn't have offended them, but he chose to preach the truth that they needed. A lot of gospel preachers need to hear this lesson. A lot of gospel preachers preach the truth all the time, but it's always what their audience already agrees on. They won't preach 
what their audience is awful. John the Baptist, that's exactly what he went to to start with. You're off on this. You're in a marriage that God does not approve of. You need to get out of it. And it cost him his head. Being a disciple of Christ could cost you your life. You have to be willing to die first before you even commit one sin. That's the cost of discipleship. One other illustration along those lines. Think of Abraham in Genesis 22, 1 through 2. What was Abraham asked to do by God? Do you remember? He was asked to offer his son as a burnt offering, a sacrifice. Let me read that in Genesis 22, 1 and 2. It says, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. It's really, the idea is test. God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here am I. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee unto the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but let me mention the number again. If you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call, if you want to get on the air, is 877-655-6755. If you want to get on the air with your Bible question or comment, even if you want to argue with me in a friendly way, that's fine. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac for God. Would you be willing to do that? I think it would be really hard for me to be willing to do that. This is the cost of being a disciple. Now, I don't guess we would say he was a disciple of Christ per se at that time. He was a disciple of God, a follower of God, a believer in God, and God asked him to do this, sacrifice his son, and Abraham was willing to do it. Can you imagine being willing to do that? Abraham was not only willing to die to do what God says, he was willing to sacrifice his son to do what God says, which it's harder. I, I really wouldn't want to die for any particular cause on this earth, but I would gladly die for one of my four children. So the only thing we love more than our own life in this earth, on this earth, is our children's life. Abraham was asked to do something harder than giving his life for God. He was asked to give his son's life for God. The cost of discipleship was high for Abraham. And we think, Today, we're believers, but we never make any sacrifices for God. There, there's a cost to the discipleship. And if you're not making, there's no cost to your discipleship. You're not really being a disciple. You're not really being a disciple. Darla from Maine, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Um, if, if the wife cheated, or if they both cheated, actually, then what happens if he's remarried? So... So Remember words, Matthew nineteen nine. Matthew nineteen nine gives a man, also a woman for that matter, gives a man the right to divorce his wife if she cheats sexually on him. And if that happens, if he divorces her because she cheated on him, he has the right to remarry. That's what we read in Matthew nineteen nine. Does that answer your question, Darla? Yes, it does. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate your call. But what I was talking about was, which is probably 90% of the divorces today, is when somebody divorces their spouse, even though they haven't been cheating. The most common cause of divorce in America, I'm sure, is incompatibility. Am I right, Darla? Yes, that, I, so I would agree do it, with that. If you do it for any other reason other than fornication, you remarry, it's adultery, and you to be right with God, to be a disciple of Christ, you're going to have to get out of that second marriage, seek reconciliation with the first. Darla, thank you for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cole from Washington State, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. 
Hey, how are you doing today? Thank you for taking my call. I I just had a question um, about the, 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 the adultery, and I agree that, that the Bible does say that if you remarry after you've been married, that you, that you commit adultery. Um, my question was, what if somebody has been born again like me? I've been born again, but it was a couple of years ago, and I'm like 58 years old, right? So if I was to remarry, and I found a, a woman that I wanted to marry, and she'd been married previously, um, and then let's say she was uh, separated oh, from her I'm husband. I'm going to have to let you go off air. I'm going to try to answer your question real quick, but i got to go off air. The answer is if you're born again, that doesn't mean it's okay to commit adultery by marrying, by marrying somebody who's been married before. You can't do that. Being born again demands that you don't marry that woman who's been married before. You, if you're born again, you're not going to want to commit adultery. If you want to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753.